You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 646 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you from State Farm Arena on this fine Monday evening. Uh, if you will forgive the background noise, it's because I'm on site, as always. And uh, thanks for joining me to document what was a 105-103 to loss for the Hawks at the hands of the Philadelphia 76ers. A very competitive game, honestly, a lot of back and forth. The Hawks led for the majority of this contest, and we'll break it down in uh, a lot of detail momentarily. Before we get to the game, though, a couple of news items that I want to touch on real fast before we get to the game. Uh, first is that Trey Young won Eastern Conference Player of the Week for last week. That, is not, that does not include tonight's game. But uh, considering he was the first player in NBA history to average 38, 9, and 7 uh, in the first two games, actually sort of, sorry, not average, but exceed those, those three numbers in each of the first two games, no, no, no surprise that he would be uh, winning this award, obviously. Uh, by the way, he also set a franchise record with 77 points in the first two games, breaking a record held by Dominique Wilkins. Not bad company, of course. He led the league in scoring last week. He was, this is his second Player of the Week award after winning in late March of last year. There were, there were some other candidates, including Giannis, who averaged 30, 30, 15, and 10 last week. But Young was the pretty clear choice, honestly, to win this award. And uh, it's, it's sort of a little thing. It's also not a little thing because it's, it's, it's a league-wide award. The Hawks were 2-0. He's the biggest reason why and uh, well-deserved for Trey to go out and win that kind of uh, national recognition. Well, other thing is that Charlie Brown and Brandon Goodwin officially went to College Park on Monday morning. No surprise at all. These are the, these are the uh, pair of two-way guys that the Hawks have under contract. Neither one has a, has a real role right now in Atlanta. Goodwin obviously has a clear path to playing time. Hope something were to happen to Young, but for now, no issues there whatsoever. And the two-way clocks were set to start when G League train camp opens, so no reason to keep those guys up, particularly in the case of Brown. And uh, we'll keep an eye on those two guys, but they'll, they'll be in College Park now until they are not. So we'll keep an eye on that as things go. Um, to the game itself, though, this is the battle of the final undefeated teams in the Eastern Conference, which Lloyd Pierce was asked about before the game, kind of laughed it off, saying it was October and the World Series hadn't even ended yet, which kind of made everybody laugh in the room. The Hawks have actually had Philly's number to, to some extent, which kind of continued tonight, honestly. The Hawks won three out of four against Philly last season, including the last three games against the Sixers. Um, and there was at least a little bit of time today when it felt like Joel Embiid might not play. He was questionable throughout the day. Wasn't actually ruled in until 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. But uh, with Embiid playing that of course, factored greatly into the end result of this contest. Um, the Hawks were at full strength as well after having some guys on the injury report, Alex Lenberg, Fernando, and Evan Turner, all upgraded by the time the game started to available to play. And uh, no issues that I am aware of, including Bruno, Bruno Fernando after, after leaving the game on Saturday with an ankle injury looked very good. And this game will come back to him later on. Um, last thing before we get, actually get into the game itself was that the point spread went from four all, all the way up to six and a half or seven by the end of this game. Um, there was some money on Philadelphia. At the end of the day, the Hawks covered the spread and I guess overachieved as a result of that. Um, but some interesting stuff uh, before this game, a little bit of buzz around it. And for my money, more attention than a normal Hawks game is going to get on a national basis. There's a lot of... Uh, I guess, you know, central folks that talked about this game throughout the uh, day that were not just in Atlanta or Philadelphia. So always good. The Hawks getting more recognition and more attention paid to them. And they were, were rewarded with an uh, entertaining game. I'm not sure it was the most well-played in the second half, to be honest with you, but it was uh, definitely entertaining and went all the way down to the wire. So, at the start of this contest, the Hawks started very well. They had a 7-0 run to open this game up. John Collins had the first five points of the contest. 
you know, an interesting matchup in a lot of ways for the Hawks, but Trey Young has to guard a player that is a lot bigger than him in this game. There's no natural point guard, um, point guard-sized person on the floor for Philadelphia. So for most of the game, he was guarding um, Josh Richardson from the Sixers. And Richardson's not a, not a star, but he's certainly an above-average starter. He's a very, very good player, and uh, that's a tough, te- a tough test for Trey. He did, he did play well, though, defensively, I thought, in this game. Competed at a high level. Um, started off the game great on offense as well. Had a beautiful crossover into a three on Richardson. There was one instance that I circled in my brain when they had a early post-up against Trey with Ben Simmons. They cleared out to try to get that, but for the most part, Philadelphia was unable to take advantage of him, which is a good, which is a very good thing looking ahead. Part of that is that Philly is limited in their lack of shooting, but uh, at the same time, Trey held up pretty decently, and they were able to survive, to survive a lot defensively in this contest. Um, very early in this game, they went to Bruno Fernando as the backup center. No surprise in, the, in, the, in that it was actually Fernando, but Len had two fouls in the first you know four minutes of this contest, and Fernando played more than he would have normally as a result of that. There was an 11-0 run by the Hawks to take a 13-point early lead. That included a three from Len and a, sorry, a three from Trey Young, and then an absolutely ridiculous cross-court pass to Jabari Parker for a three. And then Parker had another three after a timeout. But that pass from Trey Young was a, was mind-blowing. I, you know, Trey is one of the handful of players in the league that can throw that pass, and another reminder of his elite passing vision and ability to throw pinpoint accurate passes. Um, by the way, Mike's, Mike's uh, Zavagno of Dime, shouts to Mike. In other places, he's also said this, but uh, repeatedly noting that Trey has been rejecting the screen quite a bit, going right to left on crossovers, taking full advantage of that. That was a beautiful instance of that against Richardson. That right to left crossover is sort of a newish wrinkle for Trey Young, and it's looked very good so far this season. Um, you know, defensively, it was interesting to see what the Hawks were able to do early on. Not a lot of defense being played, but the Hawks did score th- did score 30 points in the first eight minutes of the first quarter, and that set the stage for a positive uh, quarter overall. A 136 offensive rating for the Hawks in the first quarter, including 6 of 10 from 3, had 9 assists. Trey had 13 points. It was the first and only, to this point, 40-point quarter of the season for, for the Hawks offense, and they needed it in, in order to uh, be really in this game at the, end of this, at the end of the contest. Defensively, it was just okay in the first quarter, but the offense carried the day and the Hawks were in a good position as a result of that. In the second quarter, the Hawks went small coming out of the uh, timeout between the quarter breaks. They went with John Collins at center against Joel Embiid alongside Young, Herter, Hunter, and Carter. Didn't last too long because the defense did not function very well there. Pierce didn't like the defense at all in the first two minutes. Called, called a quick timeout when the lead got, got back down to five. Um, Young and Collins both went to the bench together with about 7-16 to go in the second quarter, and that came with John Collins picking up his third foul. He got a lot of fouls um, in a short period of time. Had no fouls at the end of the first quarter and fell out of this game. The biggest culprit being a stretch of four minutes and 42 seconds where he got three fouls. That's pretty rough. Um, the whistle was not kind to the Hawks, which we'll get to at the end of this game, but uh, mark that on your on your whatever notes that you have. Um, the Sixers finally made, uh, made some shots in the second uh, quarter, making back-to-back threes, cut the lead to two. There was a 12-3 run by Philly later on in the quarter to take their first lead of the night, um, and it was a lot of back and forth there for the rest, honestly, for the rest of the entire game. Bruno Fano hit a three, which was nice. Bruno shot the ball very confidently, and I thought pretty well in this game in his limited sample size. The other highlight or low light, depending on which side of the aisle you were on here, was a Mike Scott hip check of Damian Jones on a breakaway in the second quarter. Um, that was a flagrant two on Mike Scott, which I really couldn't believe, frankly. You know, Scott's a former Hawk, very intimately um, familiar with his with his game. I could not believe that that was a flagrant two. Nobody could on, on the internet that I was uh, following along with. Even Hawks fans were saying they couldn't believe that was a flagrant two. And I'm with that. I think flagrant one would have been fine. It was certainly a blatant hip check and didn't really need to be as flagrant as it was. 
but uh, you know, flagrant two ejections are not normally reserved for that kind of play. Jones was fine. There was no real issue with it. Um, just kind of a strange play, and that probably cost Philly because Scott is one of the more key bench pieces that they have and arguably their best shooter. So that kind of probably killed um, Philly a little bit on the uh, second unit in the second half, but worth pointing that out as well. There was a back and forth. Uh, Evan Turner gave them a couple of free throws at the end of the first half to give the Hawks the lead at the break, 65 to 63. But uh, yeah, very, very interesting in a lot of ways in the first half. Trey Young had 19 and 5 before halftime, 9 and 4 for Bruno Fernando. The Hawks had a good offensive rating for the first half, um, but the Sixers uh, countered with decent offense of their own. The, um, but the second half was really a slugfest. I asked Lloyd Pierce about that as well in the post game. He sort of acknowledged it that it was a lot about, you know, it was a lot of slowdown basketball, a lot of grinding basketball in the second half, and uh, not really effective not really the Hawks game is the way that he put it I believe and talking to the media that is certainly true it's probably a good experience for this Hawks team to have that kind of slugfest against a team that was you know sort of bigger more physical than them in some respects and obviously they had a chance to win it late but the third quarter um Interesting back and forth, uh, kind of just hideous basketball. The top line thoughts would be that it was a 19 to 18 quarter. Neither team shot 40% even from the floor. There was a combined four of 19 from three, 15 combined turnovers from the two teams. Just a lot of horrible basketball, honestly, to watch in the third quarter. Some of that's defense on both sides. But, uh, yeah, worth pointing out. I guess the uh, most notable play from the third quarter was the technical foul. Technical foul, fouls, I should say, multiple um, Trey Young got, got called for a push-off foul at one end of the floor. I came down the floor. Joel Embiid dunked on John Collins, a highlight reel dunk from Embiid, but then he got a uh, technical foul for taunting John. Uh, Wood Pierce was asked about this after the game and said that they were, they were not clear that Embiid was given a taunting foul, so that actually prompted Trey Young to argue he got his own technical foul. Pierce was all the way on the court. It was kind of just a flare-up situation. Nothing really happened with that because there were alternate technical fouls, only two and one on each shot, so no free throws, and nothing really came of it but it's certainly a play to remember from this contest. And uh, yeah, and also during that play, Brent Simmons ran through the back of the Hawks player. It should have been called for offensive foul as well. So kind of a weird spot in a lot of ways and uh, not really favorable for the Hawks or hugely disfavorable either. Philly did not score from the 724 mark of the third quarter till the 306 mark, you know, almost four and a half minutes without a single point. During that time, the Hawks had an 11-0 run to retake the control of the game because at one point, Philly, after a three from Al Horford, went up by four, and he was chirping. It was a lot of chippiness back and forth during that stretch, but then Philly just stopped scoring, and credit to the Hawks for playing good defense during that stretch as well. They took advantage of that with the 11-0 run and really were in the driver's seat from that point and then for really for a long while. Um, there was one more play I wanted to point out. That was a big-time block from John Collins on Josh Richardson at the rim. That was a highlight-level play from him defensively. He continues to play very good defense um, by his standards especially. Um, but, yeah, that was that was kind of the uh, back-and-forth of the ugly third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, especially early on in the period, it was some more hideous basketball, lots of turnovers, lots of flopping, and guys falling down, missed shots on both ends of the floor. There was one stretch that I thought Alex Len played well, which is worth pointing out because he's been struggling a little bit this season. I thought it was a good stretch for him. But other than that, not too much in the way of positivity on either end of the floor for either team, really. Philly scored 22 points in about 17 and a half minutes. Uh, the Hawks weren't much better than that, but uh, yeah, the offense for Philly was just kind of a toilet bowl and uh, credit to the Hawks for playing good defense. Uh, John Collins came out but came uh, and came back you know, quick after some more ugly offense. It was it was weird in a lot of ways back and forth. Trey sat with about six minutes to go. They went to a switching defense that uh, it was able to hold up a little bit during the time that he missed. There was a make-or-miss league moment that went in the Hawks' favor, in my opinion, that I wrote down when uh, Horford missed a wide-open three and then Hunter made a contested win. I thought it was probably going to be the biggest play of the game, honestly. That's why I circled it in my, in my notes there. Because the, after that six-point swing with a missed shot and then a 
and made shot. The Hawks are up by eight with uh, you know about five minutes to go, and we're in great position. But from that point forward, it was all Sixers. A 6-0 run out of the timeout from Philly to get back within two. That uh, Pierce called timeout from that point forward. And then at that point, it was a lot of free throws. Uh, Hunter F the line, made one of two, and Bede scored, um, you know, more free throw, more free throw makes and misses. It was tied with about two and a half minutes to go. Um, the Hawks got a got a generous call, I thought, to send John Collins to the line when he was called when the Al Horford was called for a dubious foul. But he only made one of two, and that was kind of the only call that went in the Hawks' favor in the last three minutes of the game. Uh, Horford then got to the line on the other end. Go, he, he made both to put Philly up by one with two minutes to go. Uh, Alex Len missed a couple of corner threes. The second second of which was a miss there that was followed by a similar miss from Tobias Harris, and then. There was a Cam Reddish play. He came right in off the bench, got a nice steal, but then turned it over in the open court. That was a sort of a that, w- that one hurt the offense after he generated what could have been an easy look on the other end of the floor. Um, and by the way, there was uh, on the next play there was good defense on, on Tobias Harris from Cam Reddish, which he should be credited for. Harris did get the shot to go down though, but earlier that, earlier in that position in that possession, uh, Joel Embiid actually uh, missed. It was one of those things. Uh, Embiid traveled earlier in the possession. That was a, a rough one, to be sure, and that was uh, you know problematic, and people were noticing that. I can't argue that was definitely a walk that they missed, and that was brutal on the Hawks' side. Um, Richardson then blocked a Hunter mid-range attempt. I'm not really sure why Alex Lem is in the game on offense. A little bit of a weird thing there that I uh, yeah I'll, I'll look back at that real quick before we start recording. That was a weird play when they came out of a timeout with Lem on offense, and I didn't really understand that um, substitution. But after that, Embiid missed the jumper. The Hawks called timeout with nine and a half seconds to go after a scramble play. They came back on the court with a small lineup. Um, Philly then fouled on purpose, up by three. They fouled Trey Young on purpose with 8.4 seconds to go. He made the first one, missed the second one, and then John Collins with a clutch tip-in to tie the game. Um, That was the uh, last high note for the Hawks because after that, the last possession of the game, John Collins fouls out, um, fouling Joel Embiid with 5.3 seconds to go. Not a great call, I didn't think. You know, it wasn't completely egregious, but one that I would have liked to see him go, honestly. But Embiid makes both free throws. The Hawks call, the Hawks call timeout. They got it. They got a shot off at the rim. It was Vince Carter coming down the sideline with a uh, not a high percentage shot by any means, but certainly one that he's capable of making. I thought for a moment that it might go in, but it didn't go in. Uh, Lloyd Pierce was asked, to, asked about the game. Didn't really give an in-depth answer about what they wanted there other than the fact that he referenced Miami, and I think they wanted to take a three. I think that was the one thing that they wanted to do there was to not go to overtime, get a three up, see how see how that goes. If it falls, it falls. If not, you maybe get a tip in or something like that, maybe go to overtime. But I think they definitely wanted to get a shot for the win there based on the way that they handled that. And, you know, Trey was kind of double-teamed, covered up a little bit. They got, they got it to Vince, who's capable of doing that. Not his strong suit at this point in time, off the dribble, but a shot that was a reasonable-ish one to win the game. It just did not go in, and that was that. So, uh, last thing uh, before we get to the break here is the overall sort of breakdown of how things went the second half kind of dictated that it was an offensive struggle on both sides Um, it was kind of just rough neither team cracked 100 in terms of um, offensive rating so less than a point less than a point per possession in a very very fast-paced game you might not think 105-103 was a defensive struggle but it really was based on the way these teams were not executing Uh, a lot of turnovers on both sides of the floor the Hawks generated 22 turnovers defensively but also turned it over 21 times on their own the shooting cooled off from the first half um, especially for the Hawks they had uh, only 23 assists versus 21 turnovers that's not a great ratio for this Hawks team defensively there's a lot to be uh, positive about honestly you know Philly did help them out with some missed shots and the fact that Philly's just not very good on offense right now they don't really have a ton of space 
spacing on the floor. Um, like Tobias Harris, for instance, one of nine from three. That was very helpful. Um, I didn't think the Hawks were like completely ridiculously good on, off on defense, but they definitely did their job defensively and did more than enough to win this game defensively. Another encouraging sign for this defense. One that I, I'm not sure I'm still fully believing in, but three-game sample so far for the Hawks defense has been much better than I would have anticipated, which is a very, very good sign. And offensively, they just, they just went cold at the wrong times. You know, the first, the first quarter, they were awesome. Offensively, from that point forward, they were really kind of rough. You know, points are not everything in terms of, of, of establishing uh, offensive continuity and this uh, in terms of, anal of analytics and figuring out how, how teams were able to score. But in the last three quarters, the Hawks scored 63, 63 points. That's not going to get enough. Um, that's not going to be enough to win most nights, and it wasn't enough to win in the, on, the, on this game. But, you know, top line thoughts here about the Hawks played reasonably well and, uh, you know, compete, competed all the way to the end. A lot of positive takeaways from this game, but they were not able to get the win. And uh, there you go on that. So after a quick break, we'll come back and talk more about the individual play and the Hawks play 12 guys in this game, so plenty more to get to, so hold on tight, and we'll be right back. All right, and we're back to talk about the uh, individual players in this contest. A couple guys that didn't play a whole lot. Evan Turner, seven minutes, pretty quiet. I do think that he's playing a smaller role than I would have anticipated. I'm not sure if he's 100%. He's been on the, been on the injury report a few different times this season, but still, uh, Turner's just not playing a ton, and that's okay. I think he got to the line in a, in a uh, ISO position at, possession at the end of the first half, but that was kind of the only thing that he did really offensively. Did have two steals, made some plays. It's not, not a ton of Evan Turner, which I'm okay with, but that's something to keep, keep an eye on as the rotation potentially slims down. And by the way, as a top-line thought here, before the game, I actually asked Lloyd Pierce about the rotation being 11 or 12 deep at this point in time because he had referenced in the preseason how he didn't really want to do that necessarily. But tonight, he just kind of said that, you know, with minutes restrictions and all that stuff, they've been uh, comfortable going that deep. I think in his perfect world, based on his answer, I think later in the season, it'll, it'll be cut down to maybe maybe 10, maybe 9. And he even referenced, like, in a playoff series, in a hypothetical playoff series, most teams are only playing 8 or 9 guys. Guys, and that'll be the case, uh, I think, here as the Hawks get into, you know, if, if, they're, if they are competing, for instance, for the playoffs in March and April, if they're still um, in, in the mix there, I think you'll see a shallow rotation, um, you know, in my mind, probably the first guy to go from that might be Vince Carter because he only played 11 minutes in this game. He's kind of the odd man out in a lot of ways. But then you also get into maybe picking one backup center behind between Fernando and Jones. Probably probably Fernando at this point in time, and then maybe Turner doesn't play a whole lot either. So that would be an easy way to cut that down. Also, Kevin Hurd is going to play more, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's something to just keep an eye on in the future. Other guy to talk about here in this game, Damian Jones, six, point, six minutes, I should say, three points, one steal, didn't play a ton, had four fouls, though, in six minutes, which is kind of crazy to uh, think about, um, but just, you know, was okay, made a couple made a couple of plays, but nothing spectacular from him. Uh, I referenced Vince a second ago, but 11 minutes for Vince, 0 for 3 from 3, including the one um, at, the, at the end of the game. I thought Vince competed, had a steal, had four points, had three, had three rebounds, and was just generally okay in this contest. Uh, DeAndre Bembry was uh, not great by his standards in this game. He had one nice stretch in the third quarter, but I thought his first half was really, really ugly by his standards. A couple of turnovers that were rough. Uh, at least one turnover that was credited to him. One that I thought probably should have been credited to him that I had marked in my notes. Did have four rebounds at seven points, but was a game worst minus 14 on either side of the floor. I'm not sure that's all him, but I thought Bembry did not play his best game in the spot. Kevin Herter had some nice moments, six points, two steals, three assists, two rebounds for Herter, two of five from the floor, one of three from three. Still 20-minute limit for Herter, which was not a surprise. That's what Pierce said coming into the game. I will be interested to see how they treat him on Tuesday. You know, first back-to-back, -back, he's the only guy that's really hampered right now with injury. I'm not sure he'll even play in that game. That was not a topic of conversation, but we'll keep an eye on the injury report. I'll be tweeting about that, I'm sure, on Tuesday morning. But Herter is a potential candidate for a DMP, I would say, on Tuesday, given his um, health situation right now. But he seems to be getting uh, more comfortable on the floor. 
we'll see how much he's able to play in the near future and how fast they wrap up his minutes. Because uh, Pierce did say about Herter and DeAndre Hunter, who's on a 30-minute restriction, and Cam Reddish, same came thing, same thing there. He's going to have to keep an eye on all those guys' minutes, and uh, Herter is the one with the lowest threshold right now. Jabari Parker at 22 uh, minutes in this game, six points, four rebounds. I thought Jabari was not particularly good. In this game, I, I thought he played very well in the first two contests. Tonight had some really rough moments. Did, did make a couple of threes that were big shots, and they came, I think, both within about a two-minute stretch. Um, other than that, though, he didn't do too much that I really enjoyed in this game. Defensively, he is competing at a higher level than he has previously, which should be noted and um, positively discussed from Jabari. But I thought he, he just didn't play all that well in this contest. Uh, and then finally, Bruno Fernando, 16 minutes off the bench, just you know, less than two days after having an injury where he had to be helped off the court with the ankle. Um, Lloyd Pierce referenced Chelsea Lane as a miracle worker, I believe. That's a quote from, I think it was Sarah Spencer of the AJC, if I am if I'm had that wrong, my apologies. But um, Bruno Bruno looked healthy in this game, put 11 points, four rebounds, two assists, two steals, sorry, two blocks, and was plus four. I thought Bruno played well, hit a three, and uh, the energy there was, was positive. I continue to think that it's just not really worth it to play Damian Jones at this point in time. Just get Bruno those minutes and let him cook a little bit. You know, the, 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 there will still be some ups and downs for a rookie big man, but I thought Bruno played well in this contest. Um, to the starting lineup, Alex Lynn, 18 minutes, did not make shots. He's just 0-4 from three in this game. He's not making shots right now. I, I, I do think that Lynn's shooting from last year is at least somewhat real. I don't think he's a bad shooter, but right now he doesn't really have it going, and that's at least part of his offensive value. He has some nice moments, as I said before, I think, in the third quarter, but in the first half, kind of struggled, still, still not playing all that well right now, and uh, we will probably see more and more Bruno Fernando minutes if Alex Lynn continues to struggle. That's something to certainly keep an eye on. Uh, Cam Reddish, 27 minutes. About defensively, he had some really nice moments. Offensively, there were fewer and far between, honestly. Two of seven from the floor. He had two steals, had two turnovers, including one that was a, a rough one in transition in the fourth quarter. You know, right now, his defense is just well ahead of his offense. Nothing breaking here that I haven't said before, but offensively, kind of a rough night for Cam. But he was okay, and they needed him to play defense, and he certainly did that in this contest. Deadry Hunter, 30 minutes, all, all, the way, all the way up to his cap, 14 points, 9 rebounds. It was a game best plus 10 on his side, and I thought DeAndre was really good, honestly. Uh, you know, he missed three free, free, free throws, which is probably the one negative, but played great defense, I thought, in this game, and efficiently scored the basketball. Not a huge part of the offense, but did, did run some stuff through him in the second half. Led the team with 9 rebounds. I thought just Hunter's just playing like a grown man on a nightly basis. He continues to be really, uh, really uh, consistent. Lloyd Pierce said before the game that he's just serious all the time, and that's you can sort of tell. He doesn't act like a rookie. He doesn't play like a rookie, and he continues to play well. And that's, uh, that's obviously a good thing for the Hawks. John Collins, 29 minutes, 16 points, 8 rebounds, a steal, an assist, and a block. Two turnovers did foul out, despite not having a foul in the entire first quarter. So a lot of foul, foul stuff weird for Collins there, but still pretty productive with 16 and 8. He would, he would have played more, I'm sure, in this game, if not for the foul trouble. Um, but yeah, something to just keep an eye on there. That's probably the only reason why he didn't play more. I thought he played pretty well in this game and defensively still continues to play very well. I know, you know Embiid ended up with 36 points, 13 rebounds, and that obviously looks great. But even when Collins was playing against Embiid one-on-one, -on -one, he was competing. Obviously, the big dunk is the national takeaway with Embiid dunking on Collins. That's going to happen when you're, when you're dealing with someone as good as Joel Embiid is. But uh, Collins, I thought, played good defense. Again, had a couple of nice, couple of nice help side plays, and I've, I've been impressed on that end of the floor from John so far this season. Trey Young, 
a little bit more up and down offensively than he has been in the first two games, of course. 25 points, 9 assists. That's obviously very good in terms of actual just counting numbers. But had 7 turnovers with 7 of 20 from the floor. The good thing about Trey um, in this game, I mean, there, there was more than one good thing. Obviously, the passing was really good as well. But 9 of 10 from the free throw line, that really helps when you have games where he's going to shoot 7 of 20. That's going to happen on a semi-regular basis. But if he gets to the line for 9 of 10, makes 2 of 5 from 3, it really helps your efficiency as an overall thing. And, you know, 35 minutes from Trey, no surprise there. Um, he cooled off a lot after the first quarter when he had 13 points. So, you know, Philly was really denying him the ball. It was really stark to see him guarded that way. And the Sixers have so much defensive talent, they were able to get away with that. But the Hawks, the Hawks did okay in uh, surviving with um, with Young off the court in this game. In fact, they were only uh, minus three in the 13 minutes that he didn't play. That's a step forward from where they were in the uh, previous two games. And uh, Trey just wasn't as good, as efficient, but still played well. And, you know, there's no really there's no real taking him out of the game. Even in the game where he was really full, full denied for most of the night against good quality long defenders he still posts 25 and 9 obviously the turnovers are too many and he, and he wasn't seemingly too happy with himself after the game but I thought Trey had some really nice moments and if this is a down game you're in you're in great shape for Trey Young I'm not sure it's gonna be 25 and 9 in the down game every time but you know I thought he played pretty well despite the fact that he wasn't quite as good of course as he was in the first two games so that's a lot of words on what was a certainly a back and forth entertaining game again my, my, my top line thought here would be the Hawks played pretty well. They really competed. They, they got into a slugfest, which is not their game, and Lloyd Pierce admitted that after the game, but the fact that they were able to really have multiple chances to win this count, this game late, despite the fact that they didn't really have it going in a big way offensively in the last three quarters is a is a positive step. Uh, definitely a challenge on the horizon now with uh, Miami on the second game, but back-to-back on Tuesday. You know, the Heat are not necessarily unbeatable by any stretch. The Heat are just kind of a middling playoff level team in the Eastern Conference, but they do have Jimmy Butler back for the first time. Actually, he'll actually be debuting. At least he's scheduled to debut for the first time this season after having a baby and missing the first three games of the content of the season so far. They are 2-1 and one without him, but Butler, of course, is their best player, and that probably helps them get a little bit of a boost against the Hawks. So a fresh Miami team um, on regular rest at home against the Hawks. A tough matchup, honestly, for, for Atlanta on the road. It's certainly winnable for Tuesday, but Pierce, is, uh, Pierce said but even before the game and then again after the game, he'll be interested to see how the resiliency looks for this Hawks team after what was a, kind of a brutal loss in some respects, you know, leading for a lot of the game, a competitive night, and you can't you have to get back up, you know, 24 hours, actually less than 24 hours from now to play a, a, very, a very quality opponent on the road in a hostile atmosphere. So we'll see how the Hawks fare in that game. Definitely a big test for them. We will come back and talk more about that game, of course, um, on Tuesday night, but uh, that, that'll do it for today's podcast. Look forward to coming back again in 24 hours from now to talk more about basketball. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend about the show as well. And uh, if nothing else, the Hawks are in pretty good shape, still playing playing well, you know, not, not undefeated anymore, but still a very, very st- uh, strong start to the, to the season with, with three competitive, strong efforts. And uh, there's something to be said for all of that. So with that said, we will see everybody on Tuesday evening.